It's been 20 years since the publication of Teaching to Transgress, the seminal work by renowned feminist author and radical thinker Dr. Bell Hooks. In her second year as scholar-in-residence at Eugene Lane College, Dr. Hooks engaged in a week-long series of intimate conversations with a diverse group of scholars and public figures. These included fellow feminist thinker Gloria Steinem, Orange is the New Black star Laverne Cox, teacher and scholar Dr. Cornell West, and author Sam Delaney. These talks addressed meaningful questions concerning the practice of transgression, both in and outside the classroom. How do we continue to push against the boundaries of what Hooks calls the imperialist, white supremacist, capitalist patriarchy? And how do we bring the possibility cultivated in the classroom into practice out in the world? In an exclusive interview with WNSR, Dr. Hooks spoke with us at an office at the new school and shared her thoughts on her second residency and the limitations of online movement building. The talks that I've been giving at the new school in this residency have been really stimulating because there's so much about how my work impacts people who are not in the academy, and I find that so exciting. I think because I'm an old broad, I'm a little more skeptical of the online as a mode of mobilizing and organizing. I respect it as a mode of thinking through, but then Remember that thinking in and of itself is not um, a praxis. It's certainly the way we build theory, and that's what my life has been all about. But there has to be a practice that unites with the theory. In her dialogue with Dr. West, conversation turned to the complicated relationship between art and commerce. In this exchange, Dr. West provides context for the decline of the hip-hop band in the music industry while Dr. Hooks explains the sacrifice an artist makes when choosing resistance over profit. The Roots, I just had a wonderful dialogue with Questlove. The Roots is the last hip-hop band. Oh, tell us what you mean by that. That is to say that, and and it's not just the young people, it's these greedy oligarchs who control radio and recording and video all at the same time, so they got performance, radio, as well as presentation. And they do not allow for the boys to men or the Atlantic stars, or the midnight stars. They want one person they can control, make sure they control all of their products, including not just the records, but all the different shirts and so forth and so on, and the performances for money. And you turn them over fast. That's why Dave Chappelle caused such a stir. And I don't know if you've heard him say, you know, that here's Dave Chappelle with a whole audience of, of attractive young Benetton white people. Uh, and they're, they're wanting to know, um, does he like white people? And he says that in his deeper inner core, race is not an issue. But he said, you know, when you are in an industry and you walk away from $50 million, you will see the, the, the curtain will drop. And you will see the real white people. And they are not you. I mean, and this is something we're dealing with deep. He could not be in that world anymore. And I can tell you that this, the, that world will never receive him in the way that they did before. Oh, that's true. Because he showed that he was capable of holding on to his critical consciousness while making money. And we saw that when he said, when he realized that the white people were laughing at things that they were not meant to be laughing at. And he saw himself critically. So that when we talk about decolonization, we have to understand that critical uh, reflection 
is crucial to the decolonizing of our minds. Hooks expanded on her thoughts on Chappelle in her conversation with us. But it's interesting how, because he is male, there was much more attention given to all the many ways that he engaged in critical dissent than someone like Lauren Hill, who ends up being kind of treated like, again, like the angry mad black woman, not as this conscious critical resistor. I think the role of the art of art depends on the artist. I mean, I do painting and lithographs, but it's a very secondary vocation for me because my primary vocation and calling is writing. So I'm not trying to do much with my art. But there are other artists that hope to make a living selling their work, showing their work. Um, so I think it really is a very circumstantial thing. I think we can't prescribe any particular role to art because art has its own magic and power. You know, works have altered people that the artist never intended them to be life-altering or political. I also asked Dr. Hooks about her thoughts on comedy and the role it plays in the practice of transgression. I find comedy an interesting space for critical intervention. Yeah. And because I also think that we need humor for the revolution. I think that Cornell and I couldn't have had the talk we had yesterday without the humor. We have to make a distinction between patriarchal comedy and its history and how that comedy has both violated and excluded females and a new kind of comedy that has arisen in these in from more progressive circles. I mean when Louis C.K. does his particular skit where he's talking about God and where is my mother? I mean that is as much a feminist critique of the patriarchal defining religion um, as any serious paper on the subject. Our conversation also turned to the tragedy and subsequent protests in Ferguson, Missouri, and its connection to movements in Gaza and Hong Kong. Dr. Hooks remains critical of the media frames that surround these events. Well, my perspective is a lot of this is the media formulation of spectacle because there's a shooting somewhere in this nation of a black person, a person of color, every day of our life somewhere. And everything that happens in cities draws greater attention than things that happen in the small towns of the, the U.S. so that we're not able to see that there is a war that is being produced here. And that war is between conservative white supremacists and those especially young black people who are wanting to claim their liberation and their freedom but who are oftentimes disenfranchised, unable to be employed, um, and living rough, and uh, seeing no different future in sight. But I think we make a mistake when we see these things as having to do with color rather than having to do with power and domination and how it enacts itself everywhere. Everywhere that power is being wielded to dominate people, there is terrorism, there is fascism, there is the willful destruction of life in order to enforce control everywhere in the world. Not just white against black or ruling Asian government against innocent young Asian people. It's everywhere. That's why it's so hard for us to intervene. Spirituality is a prominent part of Dr. Hook's life, a practice she continues to integrate into her work. 
I think that for me, I used to always say that I was a seeker on the path. And if you ask me to define my reality, I would always say that's the beginning. That's the foundation on which my world house is built. And it is built on being a spiritual seeker. But I, I think for years I didn't really talk about that. And it's in part, I've come out of that closet seeing so much of the distress of my students um, as to what their meaning is in this world, what their place is in this world. I would like to focus more on spiritual healing for people, how people deal with trauma, um, how, because I think that when you have very wounded people who try to launch movements, those movements often fail because when hurt people hurt people. And so when someone is doing something, even if it's righteous, but they're, they themselves are hurt, there's much greater likelihood of wounding others. Toward the end of our interview, I mentioned my surprise at her refreshing sense of humor. I know my, my friends who came from Wisconsin, they always say, you should be a stand-up comic. And like, <laughs> but my sisters tell me that I'm not funny at all, that I, that I think these things I say are funny, but they're not. They're very funny. Good. I actually think, though, what I really think is that I'm very witty. And wit is not valued in our society, so it's true that a lot of times people misunderstand. For WNSR, this is June Kwan.